0: Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be Helaman chapter 4. So let's just get right into this one. Uh, There's some Nephite dissensions going on here. Uh, Nephites... uh, are defeated because of their wickedness. And so we'll see how that transpires. Verse 1, and it came to pass in the 50 and 4th year, so now we're at about 38 BC, there were many dissensions in the church, and there was also a contention among the people, insomuch that there was much bloodshed. This is a turning point in the story. The only thing that will change them will be the coming of Christ in a few years. And the rebellious part, were slain and driven out of the land, and they did go under the king of the Lamanites. Oh, that's a bad thing. And it came to pass that they did endeavor to stir up the Lamanites to war against the Nephites, but behold, the Lamanites were exceedingly afraid, insomuch that they would not hearken to the words of those dissenters. Good thing. But it came to pass in the fifty and 6th year of the reign of the judges, there were dissenters who went up from the Nephites unto the Lamanites, and they succeeded with those others in stirring them up to anger against the Nephites, and they were all that year preparing for war. So I guess it uh, depending on how many people came to, de- to dissent among the Lamanites to get them stirred up. Verse 5, And In the 50 and 7th year, so now we're at 35 BC, they did come down against the Nephites to battle, and they did commence the work of death, yea, insomuch that in the 50 and 8th year of the reign of the judges, they succeeded in obtaining possession of the land of Zarahemla. Darn it, they lost Zarahemla again. Yea, and also all the lands, even unto the land which was near the land bountiful. And the Nephites and the armies of Moroniha were driven even into the land of Bountiful. It seems that the land Bountiful is the place that doesn't get destroyed among the Nephites. I wonder if it's because there was a temple there that it seems to be protected from the Lamanites. Although there was also a temple in Zarahemla, wasn't there? Verse 7, and there they did fortify against the Lamanites from the West Sea, even unto the East, it being a day's journey for a Nephite, on the line which they had fortified and stationed their armies to defend their, their north country. And thus, those dissenters of the Nephites, with the help of a numerous army of the Lamanites, had obtained all the possession of the Nephites, which was in the land southward. And all this was done in the fifty and 8th and ninth years of the reign of the Judges. And it came to pass in the 60th year of the reign of the Judges, Moroniha did succeed with his armies in obtaining many parts of the land, yea, they regained many cities which had fallen into the hands of the Lamanites. And it came to pass in the sixty and 1st year, so now we're at 31 BC of the reign of the judges they succeeded in re- in remaining in regaining even the half of all their possessions now this great loss of the nephites and the great slaughter which was among them would not have happened had it not been for their wickedness and their abominations which was among them yea and it was among those who were who professed who uh, those also who profess to belong to the church of God he Nibley said critics like O'Day have told the world that the book of Mormon is rather a naive tale a typical western in which the good guys fight the bad guys nothing could be further from the truth at every confrontation of the Nephites and Lamanites in war the book of Mormon is at pains to point out that the conflict is to be is to be attributed to the wickedness of both parties Indeed, the greatest battle before the final debacle was fought, not between the Nephites and Lamanites, but between Nephite armies, they shall have no power over thy seed, the Lord promised Nephi, except they shall rebel against me also. This also is important. It means that whenever the Nephites and Lamanites fight, it is because both have rebelled against God. It is never a case of good guys versus bad guys. Harold said, There are many who profess to be religious and speak of themselves as Christians, and according to one such as accepting the scriptures only as sources of inspiration and moral truth, and then ask in their smugness, Do the revelations of God give us a handrail to the kingdom of God, as the Lord's messenger told Lehi, or merely a compass? Unfortunately, some are among us, Who claim to be church members but are somewhat like the scoffers in Lehi's vision, standing aloof and seemingly inclined to hold in derision the faithful who choose to accept church authorities as God's special witnesses of the gospel and his agents in directing the affairs of the church. There are those in the church who speak of themselves as liberals who, as one of our former presidents has said, read by the lamp of their own conceit. He's quoting from Joseph F. Smith there. One time I asked one of our church educational leaders how he would define a liberal in the church. He answered in one sentence, a liberal in the church is merely one who does not have a testimony. The late John, uh, Dr. John A. Witso of the Council of the Twelve, an eminent educator, made a statement relative to this word liberal as it applied to those in the church. This is what he said, the self-called liberal in the church is usually one who has broken with the fundamental principles or guiding philosophy of the group to which he belongs. He claims membership in an organization but does not believe in its basic concepts and sets out to reform it by changing its foundations. It is folly to speak of a liberal religion. If that religion claim claims that it rests upon changing truth, it is well to be aware of people who go about proclaiming that they are of their, that they are I'm going to start over with a sentence. I kind of messed it up. It is well to beware of people who go about proclaiming that they are or their churches are liberal. The probabilities are that the structure of their faith is built on sand and will not withstand the storms of truth. Verse 12, and it was because of the pride of their hearts. Again, here we have the pride. For the most part, the church today finds itself in much the same circumstances as those in the beginning of the book of Helaman. It is wealthy and growing rapidly. Are we in danger? The Book of Mormon suggests that the only real danger to the church itself is not an outward foe, but rather a more powerful and far more devastating enemy within. Pride. It goes in the hearts of those who profess to be saints. It is little wonder that President Benson has warned us against pride. Will we heed the warning or become as the Nephites of old? Continuing verse 12, because of their exceeding riches, yea, it was because of their oppression, to the poor, withholding their food from the hungry, withholding their clothing from the naked, and smiting their humble brethren upon the cheek, making a mock of that which was sacred, denying the spirit of prophecy and of revelation, murdering, plundering, lying, stealing, committing adultery, rising up in great contentions, and deserting away into the land of Nephi among the Lamanites. Joseph Fielding Smith said, Do not be deceived, the father will not be mocked, nor will nor will he permit us to trample his holy ordinances under our feet at will, simply because of some trifling dissatisfaction. There will have to be many adjustments in our plans if they are not in harmony with the law of the Lord. The law the Lord has given will not stand in and after the resurrection. Some of us may find that we have deprived ourselves of these eternal blessings because of our petty and evil actions. Let us beware how we hold the covenants of the Lord, lest we be judged and being found guilty, lose the whole. Gordon B. Hinckley said, "The church has a host of critics and an army of enemies. They mock that which is sacred. They demean and belittle that which has come from God. They pander to the desires of others who evidently enjoy seeing that which is sacred made to look funny. I cannot look. I cannot think of anything less in harmony with the spirit of Christ than this kind of activity. We are pained by the desecration of that which is, which to us is holy. But we need not fear. This cause is greater than any man. It will outlast all enemy, all enemies." We need not we only we need only go forward without fear by the power of faith said the lord in an early season of this work therefore fear not little flock do good let earth and hell combine against you for if ye are built upon my rock they cannot prevail look unto me in every thought doubt not fear not behold the wounds which pierced my side and also the pre, the prints of the nails in my hands and feet be faithful keep my commandments and ye shall inherit the kingdom of heaven Speaking of of the proud, President Benson illustrated some of these forms. He says, we pit ourselves, or we pit our will against God's. When we direct our pride toward God, it is done in the spirit of my will and not thine be done. The proud cannot accept the authority of God giving direction to their lives. They pit their perceptions of truth against God's great knowledge, their abilities versus God's priesthood power, their accomplishments against his mighty works. The proud wish God would agree with them. They aren't interested in changing their opinions to agree with God's. Verse 13, And because of this, their great wickedness and their boastings in their own strength. They were left in their own strength. Therefore, they did not prosper, but were afflicted and smitten and driven before the Lamanites until they lost possession of almost all their lands. Mormon, the true prophet historian that he is, herein gives one of the most important keys to understanding the history of the covenant people. When they are faithful and obedient, even the mightiest empires of the world cannot succeed in overthrowing them. The chariots of Pharaoh were caught in the returning waters of the Red Sea and the seemingly weak and defenseless Israelites journeyed into the the Sinai without further molestation. Several hundred years later, the mighty armies of Assyria encamped around Jerusalem. To that point, no city or nation had successfully resisted the power of Assyria. But in response to the pleadings of Isaiah, the king and the people turned to the Lord. The next morning, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers lay dead, smitten during the night by some mysterious plague sent by the Lord. Sennacherib, the mighty king of Assyria, retreated without shooting an arrow against the city. But let the people turn from the Lord, let them fall into apostasy and wickedness, and the source of their strength and power withdraws. Often we say that the Lord punishes his people for their wickedness. In a way this is true, but often the Lord does not have to intervene directly and send punishments upon his people. The enemies of Israel are ever ready and eager to move against the people of the Lord when they lose their real source of power, and they are left in their own strength. Whenever the Lord did cease to preserve them by his miraculous and matchless power, they became easy prey to those who were their enemies." The greatest slaughter of of the Nephites could have been averted had they remained faithful. It is significant that Mormon identifies specific things that comprise the wickedness and abominations of the Nephite church members. This itemization is doctrinally important, not merely as a historical account, but also as a warning to the Latter-day Church. Here are the seven things that he mentions. Pride of their hearts because of their exceeding riches oppression of the poor, making a mock of that which is sacred, denying the spirit of prophecy and revelation, murdering, plundering, lying, stealing, committing adultery, rising up in great contentions and boastings in their own strength. One of the most common of all sins among worldly people is relying on and then boasting in the arm of flesh. This is a most serious evil. It is a sin born of pride, a sin that creates a frame of mind, which keeps men from turning to the Lord and accepting his saving grace. When a man knowingly or unknowingly engages in self-exaltation because of his riches, his political power, his worldly learning, his physical prowess, his ability, his business ability, or even his works of righteousness, he is not in tune with the Spirit of the Lord. The many admonitions in the scriptures to avoid boasting, posting, send the message that we should realize the source of all our blessings. Everything is given by God. All talent, creativity, ability, insight, and strength comes from him. In our own strength, we can do nothing. When we seek the praise of man more than the praise of God, it will become easy to fall. And that was by Marvin J. Ashton. Verse 14, "...but behold, Moroniha did preach many things unto the people because of their iniquity, and also Nephi and Lehi, who were the sons of Helaman, did preach many things unto the people, yea, and did prophesy many things unto them concerning their iniquities, and what should come unto them if they did not repent of their sins?" And it came to pass that they did repent, and inasmuch as they did repent, they did begin to prosper. For when Moroniha saw that they did repent, he did venture to lead them forth from place to place, and from city to city, even until they had regained the one half of their property, and the one half of all their lands. And thus ended the 60 and first year of the reign of the judges. And it came to pass in the 60 and second year, so this is around 30 BC now, of the reign of the judges, that Moroniha could obtain no more possessions over the Lamanites. Therefore, they did abandon their design to obtain the remainder of their lands. For so numerous were the Lamanites that it became impossible for the Nephites to obtain more power over them. Therefore, Moroniha did employ all his armies in maintaining those parts which he had taken. And it came to pass, because of the greatness of the number of of the Lamanites, The Nephites were in great fear, lest they should be overpowered, and trodden down, and slain, and destroyed. Yea, they began to remember the prophecies of Alma, and also the words of Mosiah. And they saw that they had been a stiff-necked people, and that they had set at naught the commandments of God. And that they had altered and trampled under their feet the laws of Mosiah, or that which the Lord commanded him to give unto the people. And they saw that their laws had become corrupted, and that they had become a wicked people, insomuch that they were wicked, even like unto the Lamanites." I guess you have to be careful here when you have wicked laws uh, that causes wicked people. And uh, we need to be careful that that doesn't happen in our country. Although I fear that we have too many laws, uh, too many regulations and stuff that are going on that causes uh, people to break, break those rules. Verse 23, and because of their iniquity, the church had begun to dwindle and they began to disbelieve in the spirit of prophecy and in the spirit of revelation. And the judgments of God did stare them in the face. And again, this is because of secret combinations. And they saw that they had become weak, like unto their brethren the Lamanites, and that the Spirit of the Lord did no more preserve them, yea, and it had withdrawn from them, because the Spirit of the Lord doth not dwell in unholy temples. Therefore the Lord did cease to preserve them by his miraculous and matchless power, for they had fallen into a state of unbelief and awful wickedness, and they saw that the Lamanites were exceedingly more numerous than they, and except they should cleave unto the Lord their God, they must unavoidably perish. So this seems to be the result also of a lot of the Nephites going north, leaving them with less numbers than what the Lamanites had. Verse 26, For behold, they saw that the strength of the Lamanites was as great as their strength, even man for man. And thus had they fallen into this great transgression. Yea, thus had they become weak because of their transgression in the space of not many years. Again, as I'm mentioning, this is Mormon writing for us today, and that we need, to be paid, we need to be paying attention to this, that we don't fall into the same situation. That even though the church will never fall away again, there will never be a general apostasy away from the church, but there will be individual apostasies, and that's something that we need to make sure that we avoid with all, at, all, at all costs. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Toodaloo.